You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And hello, America. Welcome to another edition of Greg's List Live, your home for serious journalism, only on AmericasWebRadio.com. Coming at you, we are right in the midst of uh, the convention season, yours truly. Uh, I was trying to report live last week from Cleveland. I was a delegate representing the state of Georgia. Unfortunately, it was... um, it was very difficult to carry around electronics, and, and that's a good thing. The security was uh, extremely thorough. We didn't have any incidents. In fact, the um, uh, the rumors of the protesters going crazy uh, clearly didn't pan out. In fact, most of the protesters ended up getting drunk with the delegates and their guests and all the uh, political operatives. So it was kind of like one big block party. Um, this was the first one I'd ever been to, and uh, so I didn't really have any uh, points to compare it to, but from the experiences of the Georgia delegation, most folks said that this is the best one they had ever attended. The city of Cleveland really, and this is no pun intended, rolled out the red carpet for us. Um, My liver is happy that I'm back home. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, Overall, the convention... um, I had a great time. We're going to be talking to a couple guests today that will uh, Sam Burnham from All the Biscuits in Georgia is calling in at 2.15. Matt Kroll from Douglas County, uh, the Solicitor General out there. He was a, uh, a representative up in Georgia in Cleveland. We're going to be talking to him to get his feedback on it. And at 2.45, our friend Michael Abramson, an attorney who is also with the, uh, the minority leadership for Donald Trump, is going to be calling in to talk about uh, my congressman, Hank Johnson's reprehensible comments about uh, Israel and the West Bank settlers. I mean, Hank Johnson is literally the deplorable gift that keeps on giving. This is the guy that infamously thought Guam would tip over, which, uh, interestingly enough, while I was in Cleveland, I actually met the delegation from Guam. And they don't know a whole lot about Georgia, but they do know who Hank Johnson is. And I had the unique opportunity to interview a uh, a Guam resident, and she assured me that uh, it is not going to tip over. In fact, she compared it to Singapore, and Singapore has ten times the population that Guam does, maybe a little bit more, and is a slightly bigger island. And if they haven't tipped over, Guam is safe. David, have you been watching any of the uh, conventions? I hadn't had a chance to speak to you too much about it. I, I've noticed that you have started to lean a little more favorably towards Donald Trump since he's the nominee now. And certainly the uh, Ted Cruz shenanigans have been uh, frustrating a- at best. So what, what have you been thinking about the past week and what's your uh, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, well, first, the Ted Cruz thing. Well, one, no. First, I want to go into the fact that, uh, and, and mention to you, I mentioned it to you earlier. I take it as an honor that the uh, government, the federal government, all of the computers in the federal government, no longer will accept America's web radio. We have been banned from all federal computers. Anybody in a federal position that wants to listen to America's web radio is going to have to go to Plan B. Plan A sitting at your federal desk, uh, of which I help pay for and everybody else helps pay for, uh, that computer in front of them has been banned. America's Web Radio has been banned because we are not considered politically correct. So isn't that too bad? Yeah, I think we've got a First Amendment lawsuit headed their way, don't you? I, I think... Uh, or something. we I got mean. some questions to <laughs> ask for sure. And... Uh, 
we got, I've got uh, two different groups of attorneys working on it, and it came from a government employee, an engineer that has. N- I mean, the show that he favors. I don't think they've even said the word political. <laughs> uh, you know, so it, it's so far removed from everything else. But he was the first to notify us that he could no longer get America's Web Radio on his federal computer. With that being said, I think there's an old Texas expression that Mr. Cruz has ripped his britches in Texas. Uh, he's a he's a dead man politically. I had two different friends call me up over the weekend uh-huh. and and ask my opinion, which I I'm, I was flattered that they would even ask. But uh, I don't know if they were asking my opinion or telling me their opinion that Ted Cruz is a politically is dead in Texas. Uh, there will be no more. You know, I, I don't know how he'd ever turn it around at this point. Uh, with regard to everything else, I thought you asked me about what I thought of Trump. Yep. I did stay up and watch Trump uh, the other night. Um, I, I don't know if his advisors will tell him or if he will listen, but he's going to have to, st- in my opinion, he's going to have to start putting a little bit more fresh meat on the table. Um, he, he's, he keeps kicking the dead horse and... That'll go for a while, but he, he needs to change the scenario. Now, with that being said, his VFW speech today, he was more detailed, uh, had a pretty good control of the situation, and I thought was a pretty good speech. I didn't think that his uh, speech on, on Thursday night was bad. I just thought it was redundant and very little new information came out of it. But he did well in the convention. He's, uh, you know, anybody that criticizes Trump, <laughs> it's sort of, uh, it's sort of hard to say he's not successful because he has. One last thing I want to point out about Cruz is he proved exactly what Trump was calling him—a liar. Well, you know, he, they- he signed the document that he would support. And and, uh, and he's right. Not. And, and 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 unfortunately, it just seems like it's another distraction because um, Thursday night the Georgia delegation, pretty much everybody on the floor, uh, the speech was <laughs> about thirty minutes too long. But uh, other than that, it hit on many of the points. It was it was not very specific, and that is one of the biggest uh, criticisms of Trump that he says a lot of statements but doesn't have a lot of facts behind them. But uh, for me, it was refreshing to hear a president say they were going to brag about the United States being the best nation in the world and to stand up for us fighting. We haven't we haven't heard that in in a while, have we? No. We've heard we've heard we're going to lead from behind. We're here. America needs to take a step down in its world uh, uh, presence. We've heard all sorts of rhetoric the past eight years, and we've seen a a steep decline in our prestige across the world. I also liked how he was able to prosecute Hillary Clinton. If we could have gotten him and and uh, Chris Christie up there <laughs> would have been quite the show. Uh, yeah, and, and one of the things I found interesting is the the code stink or code pink, if you will. They were able to smuggle in a couple of, of banshees, basically, to disrupt the protests. Um, they were talking about building bridges, not walls. Yet, if you look in Philadelphia, the Democrat National Convention is protected by a four-mile, eight-foot-tall wall. You need photo ID to get in there. It's protected by people with guns. And the people that work there are only making $10.10 an hour, not 
the fight for 15 that's part of their platform that's the minimum wage in philadelphia how many women are working? Uh, you know we have no idea we have no idea what the count is on that so uh i've called it the hypocrisy zone which is the democrat national convention now last night we were that's why it was my understanding inside their convention hall inside the there's another wall there's another there's yes they're they're, they've walled off the uh the convention attendees from the speakers and last night they had a bevy of speakers we were closing out the deal for a campaign that I've been working with, uh, Lane Flynn for State House, and uh, we were watching it kind of in the background, and uh, Cory Booker's speech, <laughs> he's going to be a good candidate in 2020. He was uh, very intense. He was kind of the, the, the Chris Christie version of the Democrat Party attacking Trump. The, the irony is the Democrats kept saying that they weren't going to be negative, yet their whole Monday night was negative against Republicans and Donald Trump, and it uh, was full of lies. Maybe we, I ought to correct you on the Cory thing. He might be the Obama in 2020. Right. Well, the candidate. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I, a, for, a formidable candidate. Yeah. So, yeah. No, we – but that, the, the, the funny thing about that is, is clearly if Hillary wins, then there won't be a 2020 candidate. So that's why I like throwing that out there. It's the assumption that Republicans are going to win. Uh, I will say some polling data that's come out lately shows Georgia – is quite the battleground state. Uh, yesterday, Landmark and Rosetta came out with a, uh, a poll showing uh, Trump ahead by one point and uh, two other candidates besides Clinton, uh, Gary Johnson and Jill Stein, were getting about 8 to 10 percent of the vote. Only 3 percent of the respondents to this poll were undecided. That's hmm. that's nutty. Um, you know, I, I, I've got this theory, and you, you weren't there for the Reagan election, but... You know, you, you, I'm sure you've heard many, many times about the moral majority and silent majority and all of this. I, I've just got a, and I was talking to an attorney friend of mine, I've just got a gut feeling that people from, are going to crawl out from under every rock, under, out of every tree, from the wall, from every place else, and vote for Trump, that pollsters aren't able to get to. They never talk to them. They never see them. They never hear them. They never, you know, they can't touch them. They can't ask them how to vote. In fact, if they were to ask them, they'd probably lie and say, I'm going to vote for Hillary or anything else. But come election day, I've got a feeling that the numbers are going to be incredible. You think you think Trump's turnout's going to be much higher than what much. the polls are predicting, much. and crooked Hillary is going to be much lower. Is that your prediction? If she's still around. Okay. <laughs> you know, it, it is funny. The FBI has thrown out the mountain of evidence and said she's broken all these laws, yet they said they're not going to prosecute her, and we're also getting... Um, just reams of data from the Russian hack of the DNC, which just makes them look awful. They were calling the uh, Latino engagement, uh, reaching out to the Taco Bowl segment. I mean, they it's literally rife with racial uh, epithets and uh, uh, sordid comments. It, 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 and it was so rigged against Bernie Sanders. It was actually rigged for her pleasure, if you think about it, right? It was, it was completely... Everybody that was working for the DNC was completely in cahoots with the Hillary Clinton campaign. And that should really embitter a lot of the Bernie supporters that, that hopefully won't come out. His speech last night was, uh, was interesting. I, I watched part of it. I, I, you know, I hadn't seen a communist with that much adulation since Fidel in, in uh, Cuba. It was amazing. 
Uh, but uh, he was cheering. The, the, the loudest cheers were for him. I think they really did roll out their best speakers last night. Um, you know, I, I'm not. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the biggest fan of Michelle Obama, but her speech seemed pretty good. Um, and it was well received. She took it from the, the, the perception of the children. And then, you know, frankly, you're not. We don't really gain any points by attacking first ladies. So I, I will leave her speech as one that was effective and it hit the right tones. I have to look at these things objectively because, of course, Republicans aren't going to agree with almost with very few of the economic platform planks from the Democrats. Um, I do think a couple of Bernie's uh, ideas are, are not the worst in the world, but um, those are things that are, are not going to be overturned overnight getting dirty money out of politics i think everybody would agree that that's an admirable cause and it's not republican PACs that are putting the money in there it's george soros and company that are putting their own billions and if you remember david the obama administration was caught red-handed trying to oust uh Bibi netanyahu from israel directly <coughs> funding some of his opponents and we're going to be talking to michael abramson a little bit later here in the program and he did correct me. This is the National Diversity Coalition for Trump, ndctrump.com. Uh, Michael's uh, um, a Jewish American, and we'll be talking to us a little bit about the, uh, the, the Diversity Coalition for Trump. He was on the Trump train way early, uh, one of the, the first passengers, if you will. Uh, but before that, we've got Sam Burnham calling in from all the biscuits in Georgia. Sam's been on before. He's a, uh, basically a small L libertarian. Probably would vote Republican if we didn't make such asses of ourselves. So maybe I can get him to turn the dial, but I think he's probably already early voted for Gary Johnson. But it'll be good to get his feedback from it because he's a, uh, truly an outsider from both parties. We're going to go ahead and take our first break on the show. We'll see you back in a couple minutes on Greg's List. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. 
You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's This Live, the home of serious journalism only on AmericasWebRadio.com. Joining us this uh, midsummer hot Hot uh, Hot Atlanta Day is Sam Burnham from All the Biscuits in Georgia dot com, a blog and a, a website. And uh, Sam's also a frequent guest on that conservative bastion on NPR on Second Thought. That's actually where I met Sam. Uh, Sam, welcome back to the show. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, you know, I uh, I actually really couldn't be better right now. I was able to vote again today, which uh, if you are in Georgia and you have something on the ballot, please go out to your polls and vote. Uh, in Fulton County, there's some judge races. Uh, there's a congressional race in District 3. I was able to vote for the tax commissioner in DeKalb County. We all want to have uh, good people in, in the county. And, Sam, you live up in kind of Rome, Georgia, right? Yes. Is there anything? Was there anything on y'all's ballot up there today? Uh, we don't have any runoffs going right now. We're we're waiting on general election. All right. So you got to kind of take the day off and uh, prepare for your uh, your spot on Greg's list, where we're going to talk a little bit about conventions. We've had the Libertarian Convention, which was basically an episode of Naked and Afraid. Uh, we had the Republican National Convention, which I thought was good. As somebody that was attending it, I I, I thought that uh, Republicans came out uh, looking better than they had before. Uh, interested to get your feedback on it. And we've also had the first night of the Democrat National Convention where they really did roll out their A-list uh, of speakers, I thought. So, uh, Sam, let's start with the Republican Convention. Uh, highs, lows, where do you think the party is going from uh, the week in Cleveland? Um, I would say that the the uh, the highs are going to probably be the speech by Eileen Collins. I thought that was a fantastic speech, even though she didn't come and actually and make an endorsement of the candidate. I think that she she laid out a, a very good message that Americans are wanting to hear. We're we're wanting to be successful and we're wanting to be uh, a great country. And I also think that uh, seeing the Trump children, uh, especially Ivanka, I thought did a did a very good job of with her speech and the introduction to her dad. Um, I thought Tiffany did a great job of putting a, a face on her dad as, as well as, you know, this is my dad. This isn't just a candidate or a businessman or this, this is how I know him and, and portray him as a person so that we can see that. So did you did did you leave with a better? I know you're. I mean, I can almost guarantee you're not going to vote for Trump or Hillary. I think you're. I mean, I'm. <laughs> I don't want to speak for you, but I mean, you seem like you're voting for Gary Johnson, right? That, that's a fair assessment. Okay. Now, did did Donald Trump? Did the week improve your perception of Donald Trump? Um, I think it improved the perception of the people around him. I still just didn't get a message from him. You know, we're going to win. Okay. We're going to bring back jobs. Okay. <laughs> We're going to do that. How do you plan on doing this? Do you do you have an idea? Do you have a policy? Is there, you know, you're going to lower taxes. Okay, that's good. Are you going to lower taxes? Oh, what's your tax package going to look like? I, I really didn't feel like we got any substance out of it. Mm-hmm. And that's been my biggest concern on that side of the ticket all along. Yeah, and I think those are fair points. And uh, I, I was um, basically standing up for this whole the speech. I was um, we are, it was amazing. The Georgia delegation basically tripled in size by the end of the week as spouses came in and political operatives came in. And so I was down on the floor, but I kind of gave up my seat for some of the for some of the women folk. 
We we don't have the war on women. We still have southern man- <laughs> manners here in the great state of Georgia, and we exactly. we, we exported them up to Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland was amazing. I had had a negative impression of the city just you know growing up when Lake Erie was on fire. You'd heard that it was kind of a <laughs> it was the the home of the EPA, right? But uh, right. they really cleaned it up. It's really nice. Um, the Democrats are in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, and uh, I, I wasn't really going to watch them last night, but we were kind of uh, finishing up the campaign on uh, in House District 81, and um, uh, Amy Lane's spouse was watching it in the background. So we were watching and listening to it. I, um, It certainly was more negative than the Democrats had said it was going to be, uh, which, of course, you have to point out the differences. They don't like Trump. Republicans don't like Hillary. Both uh, arguments can be made against <laughs> either oh, yeah. person pretty easily. What did, did you watch any of it last night? I, I did pick up a little bit. I you get so frustrated when you just hear people screaming into a microphone. And, you know, like, if you're not a charismatic preacher or an auctioneer, you don't need to scream into the microphone. Just, <laughs> just talk. You know, just, yeah. just give us a listen here. Let us hear what you have to say. And, uh, you know, yeah, they have their A-list out, but uh, am I supposed to take political advice from Sarah Silverman? <laughs> you know, I mean... Yeah, you bring out actors and comedians and, and that sort, and, uh, okay. And, you know, the first lady comes on, does, you know, she's always like a, a great speaker, whether you disagree with what she says or not. Yep. Uh, she always presents herself well. You have to give her credit for that. Yep. And, uh, and presents her family well. And, uh, you know, so I think you saw some good messages there. I believe the senator from New Jersey, whose name is escaping me right now, uh, I believe he got the crowd, you know, kind of wowed up. I don't know that there was. Yeah, Cor- Corey. Bo- Cor- yeah, Corey Booker was Corey the. Booker, uh, that's yeah. him. And I, you know, I, I think he he really came in and and was able to get them stirred up and, <laughs> and work on their emotions. I don't know how much substance there was to what he was saying, but it, it, it seemed to get uh, to get the base riled up anyway. Yeah, and uh, you know they had Eli- the Focahontas on there. Elizabeth Warren, who uh, oh, yeah. was bad. Bernie, Bernie came out to, like I mentioned earlier, to rousing cheers. I hadn't seen stuff like that since Fidel Castro in Havana. It was amazing. <laughs> I actually missed Bernie's speech, Did so I, I didn't, I didn't get to see that part. Uh, but his followers have been making a site for themselves up there. I, I noticed Nancy Pelosi getting booed by her home delegation and of course uh, what went on with Mrs. Schultz uh, when she went before the Florida delegation she oh, got yeah. a, a nice little bit of booing herself yeah Debbie Wasserman apparently they, they've they actually hired her uh, for the Clinton campaign she's been asked to resign or forced out as DNC chair after all these uh, emails and what I was thinking is they're basically going to use her head as a sham wow to clean up any leaks that may pop up oh, yeah. <laughs> I think what she needed was to get some uh, corruption allegations against her to qualify her for that. <laughs> yeah, and I was about to say that you have to you have to be indicted. It's almost like running for the office in uh, you know for DeKalb County. You have to be indicted before you can oh, be a yes, CEO you know, candidate. Judge Gilton's in your closet. You're not qualified. <laughs> yeah, we're doing background checks. Yours uh, didn't show up. You're clean. You're ineligible. <laughs> You're out. All right, so libertarians. Let's um, uh, the interesting poll that came out yesterday was that uh, Landmark Communications put one out. Five hundred interviews, only three percent undecided. Which that is, um, 
I mean, that, that basically shows how polarized we are. And it had Jill Stein from the Green Party and Gary Johnson from the Libertarian Party garnering about 10%, which, you know, normally we always say, well, that never really happens on Election Day. I actually think that could happen this time. I, I think that we're going to see a big showing out of the, the secondary candidates, I guess you would say. Um, people are wanting to do something different. I believe they're sick of the system that pits one against the other, and you know, you've got two options. We're probably the only country in the industrialized world that has a binary political system. If you look at Great Britain with four or five parties and some of the other countries in Europe... You have to win an election and then build a coalition government with similar-minded parties and and try to get your your policies through. And and we're standing here with just two uh, slugging away at each other, and I I don't think that two political parties can really represent the diverse views of American people, 330 million people strong in a country. There's a lot of political views you're going to have in there that aren't going to fit into one of those two parties comfortably. Yeah, well, and that's the thing is the Republicans have always claimed to be the big tent party. But, uh, you know, it's almost like it's really starting to get into uh, niches about what people's most important issues are. And we're seeing social conservatives sometimes not happy that uh, social conservatism is, is maybe dropped into second or third place as far as the platform planks behind uh, economics or national defense. And that you're seeing a little bit of a fracturing. And certainly the uh, gay marriage issue has, has sent people to the Libertarian Party. A lot of the issues that uh, in the past maybe people didn't have a third or fourth party option they now do uh, because the Libertarian Party has finally evolved into not just being a legalized pot or let's do anarcho-capitalism dance again Uh, they've become they've gotten more credibility Gary Johnson being a successful governor of New Mexico and a previous candidate that garnered over one million votes last time certainly lends credibility to them that uh, and they don't seem to be messing it up they've recovered from the naked and afraid dance off <laughs> it's, uh, right, done right. pretty and, well. And he's got Bill Wells, who was a successful governor, and is arguably just as qualified as any of the candidates for president. Yeah, well, I uh, I agree. I mean, they uh, and and I'm happy to see that. I was hoping that they would offer a viable uh, third party, and instead of just having. Um, you know the, and I, I don't want to denigrate them as being one issue voters, but a lot of the Libertarian Party has been, which is why they've never been able to uh, get traction. Hopefully, they're they're able to realize that if you agree with somebody seventy or eighty percent, that that's somebody that you can form a coalition with. Um, I, I've always laughed at the Libertarians and said, you know, you guys. Uh, claim that you're, you're not Republicans, but I have never seen a Libertarian at a Democrat meeting. So <laughs> we're we're cousins, at least, right? <laughs> I would I would say probably so because really, when you get down to it, a Libertarian, yes, they want you out of want you out of their bedroom. They want you out of their personal lives, but they also want you out of their pocketbook. They exactly, want you out of their tax bracket. They they want. The, the individual liberties that come on the physical side of the equation and not just the uh, social side. 
Gotcha. Well, Sam, I appreciate you calling in today. It's a great segment as usual with you. Uh, glad you've been holding the fort down with uh, Celeste and company on Second Thought. They uh, they were hurting for a conservative the other day, and I replied, and they said Sam had already decided to walk the plank for uh, a, a conservative slash right right winger. And uh, anyway, look forward to seeing you out in Atlanta again soon, and uh, we'll talk again. Okay. All right. Appreciate it. Again. All right. Okay. All right, we'll be back on Greg's as Matthew Kroll from Douglas County. We're going to recap the D or the RNC in Cleveland in a minute on Greg's. We'll be back. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg Just Live, the home of serious journalism, only on America's Web Radio.com. Joining us now, Matthew Kroll, a Solicitor General from Douglas County and a participant in the Republican National Convention in Cleveland last week, and uh, a good buddy of mine now after we wandered the streets uh, recording videos of protesters and other antics up there. Matt, welcome to Greg's List. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Greg, for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, it was my pleasure. I, I, I figured you were a natural on it. I was able to watch you going live and uh, taking your tour of uh, Protester Plaza, which uh, I thought was a, a fascinating little journey. Uh, so let, what's, what was your overall feedback? I tend to think that Donald Trump certainly won over a lot of folks, uh, or the campaign in general, uh, won over a lot of folks that had maybe 
been on the fence somewhat. Of course, we're always going to have the the never Trumpers and the and the people that uh, absolutely refuse to support him. But to me, that number uh, is is getting smaller and smaller. What are your thoughts on that? Well, what I saw from from the beginning of the convention, you know, even within our delegation, a few people that I knew that were. Uh, you know, big crew supporters, and, and, and I don't know if they were never Trumpers, but I definitely knew they had a problem with, with Trump um, based on, you know, conversations I had with them. And going through the week, it really changed, because at the beginning of the week, you know, you're always concerned about what kind of rules, uh, shenanigans they were going to try and pull on the floor. I know they were trying to do a minority report, to get a roll call vote, and all those kind of uh, procedural Robert's Rules of Order mm-hmm. and uh, procedural uh, maneuvering they do in conventions sometimes, as you see, if you go to conventions a lot. People try and do these things, especially the minority, yeah. uh, the minority group, and, and we've seen it in Georgia, too. But I could tell you, as the week gone on, the week had gone on, you know, you, you heard less and less of that, and, and people started more galvanizing around Trump. Uh, even myself, I, you know, I, I wasn't a Trump guy from the get-go, and and. You know, I, I was, and I had made the comment, you know, two months ago, well, I'm going to have to vote for Trump. I'll have to, you know, <laughs> hold my nose and do it, but I'll do it. But after uh, last week, you know, I, I really, I'm, I'm on the Trump train, and uh, I'm telling people about it, uh, much to the dismay of some of my friends, but I'm definitely uh, <laughs> on the Trump train. And, and I'll say that it, it's changed my, out, my, my, it's changed my view on, on, on him as a candidate. Yeah, I uh, and to me, what's stunning even more is is how bad and how horrible a candidate Hillary Clinton really is. We've seen uh, just abject corruption from her campaign personally, her her horrible record as Secretary of State, and now we're seeing that the the DNC with these Russian hacked emails. Which I'm pretty sure if the the Ruskies were able to hack into that, they probably hacked into her private server as well. Absolutely. So I'm excited yeah. to see those. But uh, yeah, she's just such a, a horrible candidate that Donald Trump actually doing an America first and we're going to lead the world again. That kind of bravado is something we've sorely been lacking in the past eight years. Absolutely. I think that's, and I think that really, if you go to middle America, you know, we're, we're on the coast over here. We're in Atlanta. We're in a major metropolitan area. Yep. Especially if you go outside of Georgia, outside of Atlanta and to the rural areas in the middle America, that's what people want. You know, and, and, and to be honest with you, you look at the majority of African Americans have historically voted for Democratic candidates. They'll tell you that, and I'll tell you as a prosecutor, our biggest problem is there's no there's no quality jobs for people, and that's really what breeds crime and a lot of disorder that we have in our community, our communities now. And and I don't see you know Obama has had eight years to try and fix the job issue, and I don't think he really has. I don't really see it. Yeah, you could say, hey, you know, our, our our unemployment rate has gone down, but you really look at the studies, you delve down deep in them, just people have just gotten out of the workforce. And when you're working, you know, $10.10 an hour putting up a fence in Philly for temporary work, you know, that's really not a, that's not a long-term career goal for most people. So, you know, and I, and I, I feel, and this is really what I've had conversations with, is Donald Trump has, has created jobs. Has he failed in business? Absolutely. I have failed many times in my life. I've, I've failed more times than I've ever succeeded. I think that's natural for most people who try and do things. And Donald Trump has had some failed businesses, but he's had a lot of successful businesses too. And I know he's done it on a on a on a private sector. So let's see if he can do his magic uh, in the in the public sector and, and help you know have a have this country you know win again. I mean that's really what it is. I I, I just feel I don't want to be I just don't want to be the country that just is just. Uh, 
I guess the word I'm looking for is just second class. And uh, we're a first-class country. You don't need to be second class. Right. And somebody that is standing up for, for jobs without this, this arbitrary, everybody's going to make 15 an hour regardless of you've, if you've increased your productivity or profitability. Because the, the employees need to realize, unless you're the owner of a business, you're a profit margin to whoever employs you, whether or not you're in sales or admin or whatever it is that you do, you need to be creating wealth for the company you work for. And if you're if you're making eight dollars an hour, and I'll, and you're saying I just I should get fifteen because I just can't live off of eight, you you're a you're going to uh, lose your job because employers are not going to be able to just double your wage without a double doubling of production, which can't be accomplished overnight. And b you're going to be forcing other companies to start paying much higher wages, fifteen dollars an hour. That's what entry level bankers make now. So that wage will go up. It, in, in this little thing called inflation, which erodes away at the value of our dollar. All of that comes into play, and the Democrats just seem completely clueless about their unintended or intended consequences with their economic plans. And I, and I think one of the biggest unintended consequences is the employer that has to pay his employee $15 an hour, and, and, and you're not going, you know, a guy making $8 an hour isn't going out to, you know, he's not going to Louis Vuitton buying purses or going to Lexus and buying cars. He's going to McDonald's to feed his family because he can because you know why McDonald's pays their employees eight ten dollars an hour they don't pay him fifteen dollars an hour so that guy that's making fifteen dollars an hour now at McDonald's they're going to pass it on to the consumer so it just doesn't work it just doesn't work out economically that they're just going to continue that oh we're still going to be able to buy a hamburger at McDonald's for a dollar fifty no that that dollar fifty hamburger is now going to be you know two fifty three fifty to where you could pay, you know, feed a family of four to McDonald's for twenty bucks. It's going to cost you thirty-five, forty dollars because they're paying their employees fifteen dollars exactly. an hour. Exactly. There's a there's an economic cost to everything. And I was uh, having the conversation the other day as somebody that has sponsored somebody to go through the immigration system the right way. Um, you know, we don't want to sound xenophobic when we say we want border security. And I've been trying to coach uh, folks on how to discuss it. And we don't have to sound mean or, or, or anti-immigrant. It, we just have to point out there is an economic cost to illegal immigration, and that cost is there's 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 more t- uh, taxing on the uh, the justice system. There's more students per classroom, which which takes away from teacher one on one time with students. Uh, it taxes the the hospital system, and we have to ask everybody in the country this question. Okay, do we want to have open borders? Okay, if, if you say yes, then are you willing to pay more taxes? to pay for all this. And I think most people are going to say no. And if we can get it to the fundamental economic question, that's how Republicans can, can really win on this wedge issue. Well, I think a lot of Republicans, sometimes we just need to look at our our messaging. We could do a lot better in our messaging sometimes and how we do things. And uh, and that's just a, in everything in politics. I mean, I'm an, I'm an elected official, so how do I create that message and i think the republican party at times can do that and when you have people out there you know and then you see it you know the the jingoistic kind of xenophobes that they put on tv because that's what you know that's what people are going to watch and that's what they're going to do but the vast majority of people in the republican party understand that there is an economic uh an economic cost to having illegal immigration and it's not you know my my relative, my grandfather was an immigrant. Uh, I'm sorry, my great grandfather was an immigrant. My great grandmother was an immigrant. So it, I'm not a, against immigration. I'm just a, against it 
by cutting a corner. You know, right. and, 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 and I'll be the first one to tell you, listen, if there's 11 million illegal immigrants in the country right now, we need to fix that problem. How are we going to fix it? Are we going to get them immigration? Are we going to get them naturalized? And and I don't know the answer to that. I think there's a lot more smarter people out there that can answer <laughs> that. But deporting 11 million people, to be honest with you, I don't know that's going to happen. No. And, and to be honest with you, I'll tell you right now, Greg, I don't think Donald Trump's going to be able to build a wall. But <laughs> he, he, I think that building the wall, in my mind, is actually just it is a term to improve the immigration system in the United States. Yeah, it's I a me- I use that I've, as a term. I thought it is a me- is, is a metaphor basically. Or I mean cuz otherwise if he if the Democrats really thought we would build a wall, that would be the greatest infrastructure program of all time. Yeah, I jobs jobs jobs. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but I just don't I, I don't see how they're going to do it. I mean, maybe I mean and I've been proven wrong before. I just don't see how it's going to happen. And I think immigration has to be dealt with. I think that's the number one issue. And and, and really when you have people coming in the United States that want to do harm to the United States, then that's a problem. We need to fix that. We need to fix it. I don't know the answer. I mean, Matt. Newt Gingrich had had a great comment right before the convention. It says, "Well, test them if they believe in the Sharia law." Well, that's that's actually a pretty good idea because they don't. If they believe in Sharia law, they don't believe in our law, and that's one of the prices of being in the United States is you have to abide by our, our rules and our law. Well, real quick, we uh, you, you mentioned you're a prosecutor. We've talked a little bit about uh, illegal immigration, if it does create more crime. Let's talk about crime that maybe isn't related to illegal immigration. Let's talk a little bit about criminal justice reform. I was able to interview Governor Deal, Governor Bevin from uh, Kentucky, and uh, Governor Fallon from Oklahoma. They had a criminal justice reform in uh, seminar in Cleveland. What, uh, what things are you looking at working with in Douglas County and maybe the state of Georgia to really rehabilitate my conversations with you uh, privately have been you, you you really do want to help people that come to your office you don't Absolutely. want to just lock up lock them up throw away the key and I really thought that was an invigorating conversation talk a little bit about that we've got about three minutes uh, well it, I, I started as an intern in the solicitor's office and a prosecutor's office in 2004 and I'll tell you in the six in the 12 years since then, prosecution has really changed, and that has really been a push with accountability courts. When I took over a solicitor in 2012, we just gotten our first DUI court. Since then, we've gotten a uh, misdemeanor drug court, and now we're starting our uh, first mental health court. It's going to be a collaboration between state and superior court. So, you know, we're, we're looking for the, for the individuals that cause problems in our community to, to get them the help. And, and essentially, the long-term goal, what we have to look at when we do use accountability courts, it gets the person clean. But instead of that person being a tax on the system and, you know, causing our jails to be full and causing law enforcement and criminal justice system to be, you know, uh, you know just deadlocked and cost a lot of money, we put them back in society, and guess what? They become employed, they start paying taxes, and now they're paying into the system that, they have to do as part of a, being a citizen. Me personally, one of the things I think we have is our probation system in Georgia, our private probation system in Georgia. It, it, they've tried to do some things with the community supervision, uh, with probation and parole on the felony level, but on the private probation level, misdemeanor level, private companies can go into business and supervise people on, on probation. And their goal, and, and I've said this before, I've been quoted in our paper, is their job is to make money. <laughs> My job is to seek justice, and when I put people on probation and it's basically just a money-making machine for this company, I don't feel comfortable at times that they're actually doing 
serving the justice end. Right. Um, I've created a new program where you know we were putting people on probation for traffic citations because they couldn't pay the fine. They're coming back, and I and I and I only did that after I gave them three or four continuances in court. So I came up with a program that we just started a, uh, two months ago here in Douglas County. It's a partial payment option program where people can actually go online, sign up without even having to come into court, sign up. And they can select a 12 payment option over six months that's, and pay their like ticket a, off. That's like a traffic ticket on layaway. Yeah, <laughs> and, well, and exactly. Because on probation, if you had a if you had a ticket, it would cost you 458 dollars over 12 months with the supervision fees. My program, the one that we started, only costs nine percent of the fee. That's so, amazing. you know, you could have got. You know, what's that? Uh, what's the 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 Indian nation, uh, the Native American uh, nation that does the loans online, the yep. wind spirit for like 78%. Yeah. You could have gone to them on some of these tickets and got a loan and did better than probation. And yeah. It's just not fair to the people. And the yeah, guy that's right. Matthew, we got, we got to wrap up here, but I want to hear more about that program. We're coming up to the end of our segment. But sure. um, I appreciate that. We'll look forward to getting you back on to talk a little bit in more detail about that. Matthew Kroll, Douglas County Solicitor. And uh, we are coming back with our final segment, Michael Abrams and talking a little bit about uh, the Trump campaign as well as some of the reprehensible comments from Representative Hank Johnson from Georgia. See you in a minute on Greg's List. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism, only on AmericasWebRadio.com, wrapping up an outstanding show here where we uh, recap some of the conventions and talked a little bit about the presidential politics. We uh, were joined today by, uh, second or third time he's been on the show, Michael Abramson, and uh, with the Diversity Coalition for Donald Trump, as well as a, uh, a, a very talented attorney here in the Atlanta area. I uh, wanted to, ta- to chat with you a little bit. Um, you got a couple things on on the docket here with uh, Mr. Abramson. First, um, 
You know, I, I, I Republicans always get cast as this racist, xenophobic party, and we've seen these these. Uh, DNC emails come out where they're uh, referring to Hispanics as the Taco Bowl delegation. And yesterday, my congressional representative, I live in the People's Republic of Tacab, Hank Johnson, went on a tirade against the state of Israel and the practice of settlers. And uh, Michael Edwardson's uh, also a Jewish American uh, and pretty outspoken about uh, some of the issues that face that particular community. Michael, I sent you the note about this. Wanted to get your feedback and your comments about uh, what Mr. Johnson's opinion of West Bank settlements are. Yeah, hi, Greg. Thanks for having me on your show. Um, yeah, so I, two things that we have to deal with. First of all is that he compared the Jewish settlers to termites infecting, infesting a house. And once the termites get there, the house falls down. And a lot of people have you know, come out against Representative Johnson sort of saying that that was an anti-Semitic remark comparing Jews to insects. My personal opinion is that it he was not trying to be anti-Semitic. I think he was just trying to put an analogy out there that, you know, that didn't, didn't come out right. And I, I did want to note that he did apologize on his face. Okay, well, that's good. Or his Twitter account. Um, that being said, though, his, his comments are troubling, and they're really troubling for three reasons. Number one is that he seems to be taking the view that Israeli settlers are wantonly taking land and oppressing Palestinians, and that just does not mesh with reality, number one. And as, we, as the United States congressman, you should know the facts. Um, number two, he's not really talking about the other side of the issue, which is what the Palestinians are doing. I mean, not all Palestinians, you know, some Palestinians, you know, they're murdering, inciting violence. Just, you know, last week or the week before, there was a 13-year-old girl who's uh, murdered slit her throat in the middle of the night. Um, these are real issues, and you know the Palestinians will hopefully cut down at violence and will come to the table. And then the last thing is, is that the organization at which he spoke, which was the U.S. Campaign to Act and Israeli Occupation, is a strong supporter of the BDS movement, which is Boycott, Divest, and Sanction, which is a movement calling to boycott products from the State of Israel in an attempt to force Israel's hand with the with the treatment of the territories. And mm-hmm. it's a very much an anti-Israeli group, and it really affects Palestinians as well, because a lot of these Israeli companies have products in the occupied territories, and they employ Palestinians. Um, so it definitely affects, yes, it affects both sides of the equation. Yeah, well, and and the the problem is it's always one-sided, and you've got a Democrat party that claims to be liberal, yet they tend to support um, the Council for American-Islamic Relations, a lot of uh, Palestinian organizations, and to me, they they seem to be anti-Israel. Now, they're not anti-Jewish necessarily, but the Democrats, they in the Obama administration was caught red-handed actively trying to fund the ouster of uh, Bibi Netanyahu. They, I mean, that's been proven. I think that that's something that certainly needs to be investigated in the future. But it's, uh, you know, I, I think that they've been anti-Israel for a while, and uh, they're picking the sides of the of the Palestinians when uh, the reality shows that, that Israel has actually done so much for the region and are by far uh, friendlier to a lot of the, the groups that the Democrats call friendlies here. No, that's, that's absolutely right. I mean, first of all, you have to look at the, the U.S. deal with Iran. Um, giving them $150 billion, that's certainly not going to help Israel. 
then you look at the the representatives and the senators who boycotted uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu's speech. And interestingly enough, the vice presidential candidate on the Democrat side, Tim Kaine, was one of those people who didn't attend the speech. And these are important facts. So you know, I know you talked earlier in the show about Republican messaging, and these are just points that need to come out. And you look at the, the Democrat emails that have been coming out in this recent yeah. hack, some of the language is just deplorable and awful. And I hope that the groups that are discussed really look into that language and, and ask some serious questions, both of the party and of themselves for their Right. Well, you know, we've got a group of uh, gay Republicans called the Log Cabin Republicans, and they're, um, you know, widely derided by uh, the the liberal gay community for being sellouts and not uh, true to their community. But if you if you look at it, you know, the the Democrats when they're supporting the Council for American Islamic Relations and, and countries that engage in Sharia law, I don't think the gay community is treated very well under Sharia law. So I see a bunch of uh, I guess um, logical problems with some of their groups that they're able to claim as uh, part of their uh, big tent. You know, it is amazing. There's so much race baiting and, and, and diverse community baiting that goes on. And I wish we could just get to the point where we discuss the policies and instead of putting labels on people. It's, I think just the country would be a lot better off. Oh, yeah, I, I agree 100% with that. Well, let's uh, let's switch gears a little bit. I appreciate your comments. You were actually very judicious to uh, Mr. Johnson there, and I, I didn't... Oh, yeah. So I appreciate that. I, I was hoping for some more inflammatory rhetoric, fl- frankly. So, uh, well, I, I certainly do not, uh, do not like his positions on Israel, but, you know, we got to be honest, too. Just like we talk about the Democrats' um, race baiting, I think we have to be careful, too, about... You know, Representative Johnson said something that was regrettable, but we got to look at it in context. Yeah, well, no, I I agree with that, and I appreciate your honesty on yeah. that. Something that is sorely make for the best radio. Sore, sorely yeah. lacking. Well, let's get to some good radio. Michael Abramson, original founding father or uh, member of the Trump train, one of the very first passengers. He must have felt vindicated when uh, when he finally ran through and uh, and ran over everybody basically in one. Uh, last week, uh, as somebody that was a participant in the convention, I can tell you he was really sw- swinging the delegates to uh, his his side. That's that's fantastic. It's great to hear. I think he's. I think he's just great for America, and I'm just so excited that that he made it through. It was a tough campaign. There were a lot of a lot of just great candidates out there who I think are going to provide input in the next administration, um, and we'll, we'll see what happens. But you know, pretty excited about it. I'm very excited that the party's coming together too. I think it's it's very important. Um, yeah. One of the it's, it's interesting when I heard that it took a while for. Uh, uh, Representative uh, Ryan to get on board, Speaker Ryan to get on board, but you know we got to remember that even if you're not totally for Mr. Trump's views, you know we got a Republican-controlled control Congress, Republican-controlled Senate, and it's going to be a lot easier to work with a Republican president. We're we're all on the same team, and you know all of our all the views to a large extent mesh. So. 
Yeah, well, and you've been a member of the uh, the, the coalition, the diversity coalition, I guess. And i got to tell you, I met a, a pretty diverse swath of folks at the convention. Um, unfortunately, we didn't have nearly as many black delegates as, as we should have. In fact, Georgia had 25% of them, so we uh, missed right. an opportunity there. But the, the actual attendees, the, not necessarily the delegates, but uh, part of the, I guess, the delegation from every group, it was a very diverse uh, group of folks, certainly more diverse than the uh, the crowd that was chanting Bernie last night. <laughs> you know, talk about white America. The Bernie nation is uh, much more vanilla than the Republican tent. Right. So the <laughs> National Diversity Coalition for Trump. Um, you can find us at ndctrump.com or at ndctrump on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, we actually had four of our members spoke last week at the convention. Uh, Dr. Shin, Pastor Scott, uh, Pastor Burns and then Sajid Tarar, who gave the uh, closing prayer on, I guess, Tuesday night. Um, and our goal is really threefold. Number one, we want to try and get our communities to vote Republican. A lot of our communities have historically voted Democrat, and we're trying to be an example to say that, hey, you know, there are Republican Jews out there. Mm-hmm. Like this. Number two, we sort of want to clear up the record. We want to show why the Democrats have not necessarily been good for our particular groups and how Mr. Trump can help them. Right. And then the third reason is, is we really want to unify the country. We, you know, we, it was definitely a conscious decision to be the National Diversity Coalition for Trump. We wanted to be all of the groups together. We, we see so many groups nowadays yep. that are dividing the country, and, and we wanted to be an example of a political group that you guys Well, and that's amazing. The unification of the Republican Party is going to be critical. Uh, the Democrats, I think, are going to be far more splintered. I don't see the, the, the feel of the burn folks uh, coming out for the most corrupt candidate uh, in recent history. Uh, Michael Abramson, I appreciate you calling in today. Enjoyed it as usual. Uh, Michael also writes a lot on uh, blog and website, and uh, I'm getting him more active on Twitter. He's slowly starting to learn. He actually found out what hashtag FF means, which means follow Friday. So look for Michael uh, on Twitter and other forms of social media. And we'll see you next week on Greg's List. Thanks, as always, for listening. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.